0: Thank you. to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. We are back following the bye week. The Eagles have a game this upcoming Sunday uh, going up to MetLife Stadium to play the New York Giants. So we're going to be previewing that game today. I'm joined by Andrew, Matt, and Mike. Fellas, how are we?
1: Chris, we're doing good.
0: Happy to be back again this week, Chris. Yes, indeed. Good week, Chris. Good week so far.
1: This, This daylight savings, though. I don't know.
0: Yeah. The dark, uh, getting dark early, a little bit of cold creeping in, but we've been lucky. We've had some, some warmer days, uh, some rain the last couple, but some really almost summery days before that. So we've been lucky, but uh, the Eagles have also been fortunate uh, in the sense that over the weekend, uh, two of their division foe, the Cowboys and the Giants both lost their game. So the Eagles still sit atop the NFC East at a record of uh, three, four, and one. And, uh, Adding to that luck, they have some players returning from injury. So expected to play this Sunday against the Giants are Miles Sanders, Lane Johnson, Isaac Samalu, who hasn't played, I think, since week three or four. Um, and Alshon Jeffrey, uh, who hasn't played since, I don't know, last year in December, maybe. Uh, and Malik Jackson as well, who did return against the Cowboys, but was in and out of the game uh, because of his injury. So, the Eagles are sort of getting healthy as they face down their um, last eight games of this 2020 season. And uh, let's hope it's all at the right time. They were able to get Jalen Rager back as well as Dallas Goddard before the Cowboys game. And obviously that benefited them. Um, But hopefully with this uh, full arsenal and uh, what Mike kind of labeled before the podcast as being sort of the offensive line we envisioned hopefully coming together, uh, let's hope that they can kind of bring it this weekend. But uh, let's begin by talking about the Giants offense, who also have some uh, injuries uh, just suffered today, Andrew told us right before the podcast. So I'm going to chuck it to him and he'll update us.
1: Yeah, a couple starters uh, going down for the Giants. Um, Devonta Freeman, who is injury-plagued his career, um, he he suffered what uh, Ian Rappaport is is describing as a a minor aggravation of an ankle injury, so there is some hope that he'll be fine to go uh, on Sunday, but I think you'll see a lot of um, uh, Wayne Gallman, who has been kind of their lead back um, the last couple weeks and is on a bit of a tear. I think he's got three straight uh, weeks with a touchdown, So and we saw that um, against against the Birds a couple weeks ago as well. And then the other one <clears throat> who has turned into uh, a somewhat of uh Eagles killer is, is Golden Tate and uh he seemed to have a, a pretty significant knee injury um it was non-contact uh they don't fear that it's uh season end- ending but um we'll have to see what that looks like uh, I think he's being evaluated probably as we speak um no additional information that I have on what the mri could have revealed but he might be a weapon at least in the receiving core that goes down for the giants
0: yeah absolutely so two big injuries uh happening today that are sort of limiting the giants running back depth uh which is really what Devontae freeman is at this point in his group but golden tate uh despite his issues with the team and the coaching uh, has been effective for them and, and did catch a touchdown against the eagles when they played just two weeks ago so uh, when they played in that game, the Giants and Eagles uh, were kind of back and forth. It was a classic sort of division game that uh, the Giants had nearly won, but for a drop uh, by Evan Ingram late in the game. Um, and we'll touch on him in a minute here. But I was kind of surprised in that last matchup that the Eagles weren't able to get home more. They only had uh, three sacks against Daniel Jones, who uh, was getting the ball out quick here and there, scrambled for 80-some-odd yards, and then fell down Um so kind of a, an interesting matchup there. But with these injuries, like Andrew said, they're definitely going to be a little bit limited, but they still have Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton. Um, they still have some weapons and uh, their Ingram is one of those. But I think maybe we can start by, uh, I'm assuming Darius Slay will be covering Darius Slayton, which is still just like the strangest name matchup. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm assuming that's how that will, Sort of shape out. But uh, Evan Ingram was able to be uh, productive against the Eagles and, and really since that game and since that drop has has really stepped up uh, for that Giants offense. So uh, I see him as, as being able to do some damage here. Um, but I think my mindset is still back in the Nate Geriatric days. And we saw a really great game uh, from TJ Edwards in that uh, Cowboys game just before the bye. So I, I think we're going to have to hope that our linebacking core can kind of show and prove both TJ Edwards, Alex Singleton, um, maybe Jalen Mills coming up to play in that sort of hybrid role uh, to limit the damage that Edmund Ingram can do. Cause he can run uh, and he's a big body. And I think that's something the Eagles have have struggled with all season long. Any thoughts on Ingram and his potential to do damage? He's kind of the guy I think could do the most.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a, Big tight end. And I, <clears throat> he is under delivered this season. Um, I think expectations were very high for him to, to take a, a next step. Um, now, whether that's because Daniel Jones is his quarterback or they're just a terrible team um, and some injuries, you know, he, he hasn't shown that, you know, like I said, next step, but um, yeah, he's a weapon. And I think anybody against our linebackers uh, tends to be a weapon. So somebody to watch out for like you said he should have had the catch um late in the fourth quarter the last time we played them to to seal the game um and thankfully he dropped it so um you know with golden Tate down uh seemingly or or reportedly then you know i think uh a spotlight is certainly on him um and somebody that we will have to to factor in matt your thoughts You're still on mute there. You're muted, Maddie.
2: He has gotten some production since that Eagles win. Uh, The loss to the Buccaneers, he saw five receptions for 61 yards. And uh, against the Washington football team, five receptions for 48 yards and a touchdown. So he is involved in the offense. Uh, Hopefully we keep him to that uh, five reception and under. uh, But... Tight ends have killed us in the past, as Chris said, and especially across the middle there. So as as long as the linebackers can cover the middle, especially in that kind of free-for-all zone, uh, if we are in a zone uh, where the, the they, uh, tight end can sneak behind the linebackers, um, which Ingram has had success doing this season, um, if we can pick up on that, we'll be okay uh, defending Ingram. Mike, Anything?
3: Yeah, um, I think you said it, Matt, he's having higher productivity and a trend overall, I think we need to keep in mind since the last time we saw the Giants is that they are uh, trending in the positive direction where they are improving in terms of total yards on offense, um, defensive plays, and, and we need to watch out for potentially, you know, look at it as a whole new team that that we're facing at this point. Uh, that's all, that's all I'll contribute to that.
0: righty. Well, I mean, I, the other thing I think, uh, as far as I mentioned earlier, the giants offensive line, um, and the, the sort of, um, lack of continuity that's there. I was listening to the radio today, uh, and a giants fan actually called in and said that the giants offensive line has been actually rotating. Uh, depending on, you know, the play or the package or the personnel. Um, so there's going to be even more inconsistency there. Matt, do you happen to have where they're ranked, the Giants' offensive line?
2: Yes, I do, Chris. As far as run blocking goes, they are considered the worst team in the league, when it comes to blocking for the run. Now, when it comes to pass blocking, they fare uh, middle of the road, uh, ranked 16 overall via football outsiders. And just to add a point here, Chris, uh, yes, there is a lot of uncertainty on that offensive line, but uh, some players have settled in. One that I would like to note is Andrew Thomas, their uh, first pick in the 2020 draft at fourth overall. Uh, He has only allowed uh, one sack in four weeks uh, since facing the Eagles. Uh, So where I think even Nathan Geriatric got a sack Uh, via that hole Uh, he has settled into his position Um, and Nick Gates who will be playing center for the first time has settled in at well so a lot of other positions are moving on that offensive line but they are seeing some continuity settle in there Uh, so yes definitely a place to attack but uh, we we have to attack it early and attack it strong Mike
3: yeah, and just as a counter to that, I just, you know, in terms of trending in the right direction for the Giants, um, <clears throat> I'm reading a, a, a Giants um, media article in Sports Illustrated that says reasons they will win the game is because they can run the ball. Um, they have a large crew, actually Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, Dion Lewis, Eli Penny, um, and none of them can replace Saquon, but still, over the last four weeks, they're averaging. 139.7 yards per game and this would be their fifth they're going for their fifth straight 100 yard performance so for an offensive line that's ranked uh, towards the bottom of the league they're definitely uh, showing some some uh, really good yardage in the in the past uh, several games here Andrew
1: yeah and don't forget Danny Jones, he can run the ball. Right. <laughs> He he snuck a few against us, especially that long one. So um, I think as long as our defense can stay home um, and not bite on those, you know, reverses, those those counters, which is um, man that Danny Jones run everybody on the on the Eagles D, but bit. So I think if we can stay home, uh, we'll be okay controlling, uh, controlling the run game, but definitely, definitely need to uh, make sure we step up there.
0: What I'd really like to see, you know, one of the things I thought was great about the way they played Andrew Thomas the last time was they were just letting everybody down to Nathan Derrick geriatric uh, sort of tee off on him. And I'm hoping that that's what they can do uh, in this game, but it's going to be imperative that, you know, we've seen Fletcher Cox create pressure and, and he's had some sacks, I think a couple maybe so far this year, but, you know, we need to see more from everybody across the line and it starts with him. Um, And I don't think we could be seeing any more than we're seeing from Brandon Graham at 32, who's having an epic year, um, probably a career year, an all pro year, a pro bowl if they were having one type of year. Um, But uh, as far as the Eagles production, I'd like to see some more sacks this time. I really going into that um, game last time, the Thursday night football game, I, I think we were projecting crazy numbers of what the Eagles would be able to do, and they just didn't. Uh, so let's hope that they can do that but Mike brings up a great point I mean being able to sustain the run game through a committee uh, like the one he described I think you know that that could pose a threat the Eagles are not the run defense that they've been in the past so we talked about Evan Ingram we're not sure what's going to happen with Golden Tate but that sounds iffy to me he may not play so that's one less threat but they still have Darius Slayton they still have Sterling Shepard and as we've talked about they still have Evan Ingram so going back to the D line, uh, as a way to sort of frame a discussion question, we've seen Jim Schwartz this year be a lot more aggressive than in years past since he arrived in 2016. Um, and in the small sample size we've seen of Daniel Jones, even when he's running the ball down the field with nothing but green grass in front of him, he doesn't handle pressure well. So, um, the giants we've talked about and highlighted their receiving targets. Um, I think that it may be, um, Sort of an interesting question to throw out to you all. If you're Jim Schwartz, how are you using particularly blitz packages uh, in this first game coming off of the bye uh, and with a quarterback who is, uh, let's say, easily rattled? Yeah, I think uh,
3: you have to be careful how you approach the Giants defense. And just looking into where the Giants rank in terms of their – passing offense in the league they're also towards the bottom um i'm seeing on pro football reference that yards per game they're 30th touchdowns they're 30th um with those kind of numbers and yes they also do in terms of rushing rank towards the bottom of the league as well but as we were just describing they're starting to run the ball better so if i'm jim schwartz and i'm looking at this i'm thinking we should probably prioritize stopping the run, um, and let (laughs) the passing offense, let that be, if if they're going to beat us, let it be through that. Um, that's just kind of my thinking, looking at the numbers in terms of blitzing, maybe that means for Jim, he's going to not blitz quite as much, um, and drop people off in protection and make sure he has those, uh, run stop type defenses, uh, in place as a strategy, you know, against this offense. But I'll leave that up for discussion. Anybody, Matt, you want to take that?
2: Yes, Mike, I agree with you. Run is the first priority, and I think our defensive line has done a great job stopping the run. I'm seeing them on this Football Outsiders as uh, ranked around number 11 in the league um, for defense overall i'll get uh uh rushing for you in a bit but uh going to jim schwartz and the uh blitz he hasn't done it all season look at our linebackers uh look at our d-backs even our safeties we rarely have seen them blitz and as far as the sack numbers uh you don't see anything out of our secondary. Uh, Yes, we've mentioned uh, some of the linebackers having um, uh, maybe one, maybe two sacks, but everything's coming from those front four guys uh, getting into the backfield. And I think he sticks with that same uh, game plan. He he trusts in that front four and the rotation that he has. I don't think that's going to change for this game. Yes, if they get down uh, by a big margin, he may switch it up and bring the blitz. But we're not going to see anything different than we've seen all season. It's relying on the front four and the secondary uh, playing their game. That's how it's, it's going to be. And it's uh, the D-line beating their man and getting to uh, Daniel Jones. Andrew, you got anything for us?
1: Yeah, no, just to uh, agree with you, I think. I mean, we know Schwartz's system, right? It's pressure uh, with the front four, and it's a soft zone between the linebackers and and uh, cornerbacks and safeties. Um, what I would say is Schwartz uh, tends to dial up the blitz against either inexperienced quarterbacks or, to me, quarterbacks that he doesn't really respect. Um, so we, we've seen it against... Um, Danucci and Burrow, and we did see it against uh Danny Jones a couple weeks ago. Um, but even when Schwartz dials up the blitz, it's still, you know, it's still a low percentage. And honestly, it doesn't always work out. Um I don't have the number, but I would be interested to see on the the plays that we we blitz how often does somebody get home. Um I think it was the Giants game where uh, we did a couple corner blitzes. I think Jalen came up to the line a la Malcolm Jenkins. Um, certainly not in, this, in the in the same way, but in the same style. And um, Jenkins was actually quoted as saying, I love that. I love when we do that. Uh, I'm an aggressive guy. Uh, I love when Schwartz calls that. So um, I'm interested to see if maybe he dials up one or two of those where you have Jalen coming off the corner. Maybe you have Maddox slide in. Um, maybe even McLeod slide up. But um, yeah, Matt, to your point, I, I would agree while we may see a couple more blitzes, it's not going to be uh, we're not looking at 20, 22 percent of the plays called that are going to be blitzes. We might see, you know, 16, 17, 18 percent. So um, we'll see. We'll see. But it's uh, they're a team that we can take advantage of.
0: Matt, did you have something there?
2: Yeah, just uh, Matt stepping in here. Uh, They are the 14th best rushing defense in the league, have given up over a thousand yards rushing uh, and 11 total rushing touchdowns. So kind of middle of the pack. I thought we were stronger than that, uh, but we will need our defensive line to step up. Chris?
0: Well, I think Andrew kind of hit on something and we'll move on to the offense after this, uh, after picking our defensive players of the game, but I think that if Jim Schwartz uh, selective may not even be the word uh, for how little he does blitz, but I think in doing it, he, uh, the line will naturally create pressure. Uh, there was a, um, a blitz package that he used against the Cowboys where the linebackers filled the A gaps and uh, TJ Edwards was able to get home and, and deliver a really nice hit on Ben DiNucci. The ball came free. And that was that melee where McLeod ran off with a touchdown. Um, I like that play. And I'd like to see something like that again, uh, Andrew mentioned corner blitzes. I think you can do a safety blitz with McLeod like he touched on. Um, I'd like to see that sort of thing. I think the line is is getting after it. I think those are the sort of disguises. Everyone knows what the Eagles defensive line can do, but I think that'll throw some some curveballs at uh, Daniel Jones, who, like Andrew said, is not a rookie but is somewhat inexperienced and, as I mentioned before this discussion, kind of easily rattled. So let's go around the horn for some defensive players of this game, Eagles-Giants. Andrew.
1: Uh, you just mentioned him on the uh, on that play with the Cowboys, but my my guy is going to be Rodney McLeod. Uh, I feel like he's on a bit of a tear here recently. In the past few games, uh, he had the the TD last week, a um, couple deflected passes, the game against the Giants, he had, I, I believe, a fumble recovery. Um, so I feel like he is stepping into uh, more of a uh, a leader in the in the secondary there, and I think his game is, is kind of coming into its own here a couple weeks into the season, halfway through the season, I should say. Um, so I'm expecting, uh, you know, another dynamic play from him and just a, an overall solid, solid game uh, kind of anchoring that secondary back there. So Ronnie McLeod is my guy. Who, who's got anybody else here? Mike, I'm sure you've got Brandon Graham. That's like your guy standard. this 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 year so who you um, think
0: it, it
3: hasn't not worked It's not a bad pick <laughs> well i am coming off last game picking rodney mcleod so um you know i gotta got a nice little streak going
1: keep it going went back
3: and forth between mcleod and uh brandon graham <laughs> um but i agree man mcleod vastly underrated as an nfl veteran who's kind of secretly led this team, um, the Eagles defense to be able to manage this year for my player of the game coming off the bye week Um, I really think I want to see Fletcher have a big game, especially since run defense is such an importance. I'd like to see Fletcher have something around like nine tackles, maybe two sacks, um, really impactful. Um, really go home with the strategy uh that jim schwartz wants to play if he's able to do that i think you know that really puts the eagles in position to win the game but uh maddie
0: nine tackles good grief yeah be, i love that'd it be a, mike. That'd, be, that'd be a day I, That's a I
2: love it love every bit of it mike Uh, Guys, I'm nervous because, as you all know, my picking has been not good this year. Uh, Every guy that I've picked has underperformed or missed a field goal, uh, has not done anything. And I'm picking our biggest slugger, Darius Slay, to come up big. Uh, He is coming off the uh, ankle injury, suffered in week eight's win against the Cowboys, But we're hoping that the uh, week off, the bye week, has uh, given him time to fully recover and he is scheduled to go. I did see today via uh, Mr. Jeff Kerr uh, that he attributes Darius Slay's play as a huge reason why the Eagles are fourth in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game at 209.4 yards so i think with darius slay's leadership we shut down daniel jones and mike with fletcher cox up front we shut down the run uh chris who do you got
0: that was a close one matt i know
2: i know we can (laughs) edit it we can edit it
0: (laughs) well maybe um i'm actually gonna go with uh I'm actually going to go with the linebacker position for the first time. I don't, I don't know in how long, but I'm going to go with TJ Edwards. who I think after having a really great game against the Cowboys stacks, a second really good game, he had 12 tackles against the Cowboys. He had that uh, strip sack. Uh, he's starting to play really well. He looks like a player who fits the description of a linebacker to me also, which I really love to see. So I'm going uh, with TJ Edwards and, and let's hope. That, yeah. Mike. No, I was
3: going to say, um, Will T.J. Edwards be able to stop um, Ingram on some of those jet sweeps
0: that they like to run? Or I think he'll... T.J. Edwards is, is, a, is a better uh, run defender uh, than he is in pass coverage. Um, but I think he'll probably be called to, and I think he'll rise to the occasion. I think in- Ingram will get his, though. I have this feeling about this this weekend that he will get his. He's kind of trending that, that way. But that's a great question. Um, but, yeah, those are our defensive players of the game. Let's hope they all step up um I'd like to see Fletcher Cox especially I like that pick Mike because I, I think it's one of those situations where he's given this big contract and I'm, I'm almost to the point of saying he's not the player he used to be I know he still creates havoc uh he still draws double teams but I don't really see him that way anymore
1: I I, I that's a frustrating take I feel like this guy dominates even though it doesn't show up on the stat sheet I feel like we've seen him impact uh the the play um he gets double teamed a ton. Where's Hargrave? Um, you know, I, he, I, I hear that he was the big signing. He should be able to help balance Fletcher and, and actually take away um, and Malik. And Malik
3: is coming back this game, um, which is actually good. huge.
1: I think yeah, I think that's good. built
3: into you know this coming that's off a of bye week. Fletch could be coming into this game. You know, one of the most healthiest he's been uh, prior to any game this season, uh, outside of uh, week one.
0: Yeah, and I think there's so many, um, so many factors at play here. I just want to bounce back real quick and just mention that I think another sort of creative blitz angle is to flip uh, the ends to the inside in in that NASCAR package that Schwartz likes to run with uh, Barnett and Brandon Graham playing inside remember that that epic strip sack in the Super Bowl came with Graham playing on the interior. So, you know, that that package is, is there for a reason. Let's hope Schwartz reaches for it at the right time. Let's talk a little about the Eagles offense, excuse me, during uh, versus the Giants defense. Um, Carson Wentz has had a rough start to the 2020 season, um, and we hope that we can see him in this game be a little more consistent, play a complete game, um, show at least some some accuracy, but both in passing downfield as well as in short passing situations. Um, But really, I think probably my biggest point here is is knowing when to say when, knowing when to throw the ball away. Uh, We really saw some of the worst displays uh, of his tendencies in that game against the Cowboys. I'm thinking of the play where I don't know the guy's name, but 37 from the Cowboys is streaking toward Wentz. Wentz sees him, still tries to get his arm up and throw the ball. Uh, It was just ugly and it was kind of a rookie mistake type situation. So I think he has to have that maturity to know when to, to give up on a play. But he's also going to be getting a lot of uh, his weapons back, a lot of skilled players, as well as linemen returning. So hopefully uh, we can see him settle in. Um, Is this a game we see Wentz go without an interception?
1: I mean, doubtful. (laughs) Doubtful. I think if
3: you you can say Carson doesn't get an interception in this game, we win the game for sure.
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think uh, – I think he has to be selective. Obviously, Bradbury is a good corner uh, who had picked him off in the last game. So he's going to need to really uh, choose his spots and he's going to have a lot of targets to throw out and hopefully a better line, providing him more time and protection to do it. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about that O-line. So as we mentioned at the very top of the podcast, the O-line is sort of coming into form where um, things are sort of looking the way we envisioned at the start of the year. Isaac Samala is coming off of uh, injured reserve. Lane Johnson, after being in and out and in and out of the lineup uh, during game days, is alleging that he's going to play on Sunday. Uh, Jason Kelsey will play uh, the center position as usual. We're assuming Nate Herbig will flip and play the right guard. Uh, If Lane, for whatever reason, who is limited today in practice, if Lane Johnson is not able to play on Sunday uh, against the Giants, and Jack Driscoll practiced, I believe, today, if I'm not mistaken. So if he if Driscoll practiced, do you have Mylotta, who is more given to playing the left side? Do you flip Milada to the right if Lane wakes up and he just can't go? Do you, do you have Mylotta play or do, you, or do you put Driscoll in there if you're uh, Jeff Stoutland? What, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Matt.
2: What's wrong with um, I We've all seen him come along this season and I think in Malata we trust Driscoll he had a couple good first games for us uh, but he's still young he still hasn't gotten gotten his footing on the field yet and coming off an injury. I just think he's a liability out there. Uh, Lane, I don't want to see him get in for a couple series and then go down again. I'd rather have Meladez start fresh in that position, settle in and finish the whole game outs, and then have Lane on the bench just in case uh, he needs to come in and fill the position.
0: Any contrarian opinions there? I think I, I agree with Matt like pretty wholeheartedly the only thing I'll say with Lane is that if you can't go you can't go this sort of in and out is more of a disruption it's doing more harm than good in my opinion um, and the Giants defense sacked uh, Carson uh, as many times as the Eagles defense sacked Daniel Jones three times in their last meeting so um, and I know at least one of those was Carson's fault but you know the lines right. to, yeah
3: I guess the only contrary opinion uh, for me and I think we touched on this in a previous podcast would be whether you would keep Mylata at left tackle and you know rest Peters another game, or or would you rest Lane another game? Um, I'm not exactly sure on Peters' health at this point, but you know if Lane is ready to go, yes, we don't want to see him go down again. But he provides such a boost to our offense and such a big part of it. And and Peters, you know, he he may be aging. Mylata might be the better play anyway.
0: Um, well, at Peters, well no that's a good point and Peters did get in against uh, that he did he did play against the Cowboys um, but the question is you know the other side I think I think Peters will probably be at left tackle as long as he's healthy um, like it or not I think he's sort of strong held uh, both the roster as well as the as well as the front office yeah part. not to yeah we don't need to belabor that I just wanted to no but i think the lane point and the record with and without lane sort of speaks for itself so if he's able to go and he's healthy let's go but i if he's going to be in and out i I really don't think that's benefiting i see that as a detriment um we also have dallas goddard as we mentioned earlier returning and and healthy we have jalen Reger who uh is uh coming off of his first game back after injury i think he's going to be used a lot in this game um I think, especially because of the win factor against the Cowboys, it's sort of limited how much he could really be uh, utilized. But I think we'll see him more and more uh, as he comes back into the fold here. Um, and I think they need to take some shots downfield, whether it's to Jalen Rager, John Hightower, Travis Fogum. Um, and they're going to need to sort of spread the ball around with all these targets. And we'll touch on that coming up. But one of the things that's also going to help is having Miles Sanders back. And uh, it would seem that with Miles Sanders comes the run game, because in his absence, the run game, uh, has been lackluster, although, uh, Boston Scott has been productive and it seems like the coaching more went away from the run than it was him not being productive. And certainly we know Boston Scott has been the giant killer in his time as an Eagle. He has uh, six touchdowns total and, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Six touchdowns total and five of them have come against the Giants. So, um, what I hope to see is sort of a, a, a tandem there. I want to see something kind of settle into a dynamic where maybe we see roles being taken and Boston's good for this kind of play where Miles is good for this kind of play and they're kind of one-two punching them. Um, but Mike, you had uh, kind of brought up whether or not sort of how their numbers would size up against each other, Boston Scott and Miles Sanders, how they'd be utilized or...
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously Miles is... Um you know, probably our, one of our best players question mark over Carson Wentz, um, you know, who the offense kind of is built around at this point um, at this point during the 2020 season, I should say. Um, I but <clears throat> yeah, just as a little uh, preempt into this Boston Scott, just from a, a New York standpoint, I'm reading an article that says the giants will lose because Boston gets the better of New York again. And, um, in three games, Scott has rushed for 159 yards, 41 carries, four touchdowns, and has caught 13 of 17 pass targets for 199 yards and a touchdown. Um, pretty good numbers by Scott. So, I, you know, I guess the question is, with Miles returning to the lineup, you know, which one outperforms the other? Who gets the majority of uh, passes, runs, um, total plays coming towards them? Uh, let me throw this one to
0: Matt.
2: Yeah, I agree with you, Mike, and I think this will be a real test of Doug Peterson. Uh, Boston has settled in for the last few weeks here, stepping up in Miles' absence. Uh, will he go to the workhorse Miles Sanders, or will he use a thunder and lightning approach with Miles' And Boston Scott. Uh, I think we both want to see that thunder and lightning approach. I think that's what every fan and everyone looking at this game analyzing sees uh, fit. And if he just tries to run it down uh, the Giants' throat with Miles Sanders coming off injury, I think that's a mistake. Uh, we know that Boston is capable, especially against the Giants. And I think there will be a lot of question marks if we see, you know, Miles carrying the ball 20 times as opposed to uh, a 10-10 split or uh, even more. Any uh, any feedback on that, Andrew?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you're giving Doug a lot of credit for somehow coming up with this new running scheme. I think, yes, we've talked about this at nauseum on these podcasts. Like, yes, we want them to run the ball. But, Unless, I,
2: there's there's no credit. I, what I'm saying is he he better run it, or he just looks like a bigger idiot than we've already alluded to.
1: Right, but I don't think there's been any indication, unless he has this wake up call uh, over the bye week that he's going to adjust the way that he that he calls the game. Um, and I think you know we all it's almost like we all see it and and we're screaming like okay, run the ball. Develop the run, have patience. Um, but he seems to run the ball five straight times, and then he won't uh, he won't go back to the run for a quarter and a half. Regardless if it's Miles or, or Boston, there's no like okay, Miles had his three plays. Let's get Boston in there. It's okay. We did we did it for a couple times. Now I can go and I can get Carson to to, uh, to pass the rock. And so yes, I agree with you in the fact that we seem to be successful. And this was in 2017. We talked about this too, having a dedicated and focused rushing uh, attack. I think miles has to outsnap snap um, Boston by uh, double um, as long as he's healthy. Boston's there for a good couple plays, you know, five, six, seven plays where he can pick up a third down and that kind of like that Sprolesy type role, but miles needs to be the guy. Miles needs 15 touches at least. So, see, but that,
3: that also worries me that Doug takes a, a known formula that Boston Scott is a giant killer and he underutilizes him in this game. I would love to see the distribution outside of how much Doug decides to run the ball. I would like to see the distribution between Miles and Boston more 50-50 in this game. Yeah. Uh, especially since miles is coming back from injury.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 do, I do. And Chris, I'll toss this to you in a sec. I, yeah. I, oh, I, I agree with you, Mike. And the fact that that Boston Scott has shown this ability to dominate the giants, but that should not be that big of a factor in the way that you game plan week in and week out. And I, I don't think that he should get that many more touches than miles should against the giants if miles is healthy if miles is you know there is on a snap count then sure let's let's go 50 50 but miles is the dude miles is the guy he deserves and should get double the touches that boston scott does regardless if boston scott is a giant killer chris
0: Uh, yeah i think i think Boston Scott deserves his, uh, and I also think by the same token that Miles Sanders will be on a little bit of a snap count. I think that there's only so much they're going to break him into this game. However, um, Miles Sanders so far this year has had several games where he's broken off a run for like 70 plus yards, so I, I could kind of see, to be honest with you, I could kind of see their numbers almost being equal if everything really works out uh, in terms of rushing. Um, I'm not sure how much they're going to risk Sanders being in the open field, catching passes if he's coming off of an injury. Um, but by the same token that, you know, they could, I think as far as just the run game, if we're just talking about that, uh, I have to think what Andrew said is true as far as snap count. Um, but we've seen Boston Scott be so productive against this team. I can't count him out. So I don't see it 50, 50 in terms of, um, handoffs, uh, in terms of carries, but I do see it almost equal in terms of production. And I think it'll be because Miles is thinking and dunking here and there, and then breaks a really long one. Whereas Boston is sort of matriculating 10 or 15 yarders at a time. He's we've seen him do that. Um, Even in the Cowboys game, the first play of the game, he ripped off a 20 yard run and uh, going back to what Andrew said, as fans, we thought run the ball, Doug. Um, And I think running, running the ball in this instance with the offensive line sort of taking form, the way it has uh, with almost being at like full strength without uh, Brandon Brooks, as Andrew uh, highlighted before the podcast, I think they're going to want to get that O-line going and,
2: and, you
0: know, running the ball, run the ball, Doug, run the ball. Go ahead, Matt.
2: Yeah. Just uh, one step, Matt here. <laughs> Doug is one and three after the bye um so not a good percentage coming uh off the bye week uh
0: that's not that's not great but he is uh typically i think he, he has a pretty um strong winning record in november and december since his uh since his tenure began yeah Matt, i'm sorry mike yeah and i'll also add here that it has been uh
3: 1,466 days since we've lost to the Giants
0: nine straight victories. This would be, I believe if we beat them on, uh, that's, if we beat them on Sunday, that's correct. So uh, yeah, a lot going on here. Uh, obviously, you know, it being a division game, we'll talk about score predictions later, but uh, the run game should be a factor and let's hope that Doug is on the same page as Deuce is on the same page as, you know, uh, Miles' health and that they're sort of monitoring things, but allowing the run game to work. I think it'll get the O-line activated, settle them down, get Carson Wentz some, some uh, breathing room that he'll likely need. Um, and we'll talk about him in just a second here. So speaking of Carson Wentz, uh, another discussion question I wanted to throw around here was um, really crafted by Andrew. And the question is, do we see a different Carson Wentz after, I love this word, horrid performance against the Cowboys just prior to the buy. Will the post by Carson look different uh, having some of these receiving targets back, including Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard, uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Miles Sanders back in the lineup. Do we see a different Carson Wentz having all these targets back at his disposal and also some more protection coverage?
1: Yeah. I mean, you hope so. Right. Uh, He, he, Carson is, is, I think 30th in the league in passer rating. He's, he's almost 30th in QBR. He's number one in turnovers and picks. He's got four fumbles. So um, he can only go up from here. Right. So I think, (laughs) I think a post by Carson um, will show some signs of improvement. I think we've seen um, stages of that. The, The Cowboys game was a tough one because man, there were some, Bone, boneheaded plays, even for him, um, that was frustrating. But like you said, uh, we're getting healthier in the offensive line. We're getting healthier um, in uh, with Goddard coming back uh, with the tight ends, um, and then you know Rager and Alshon. And uh, yeah, he's there's kind of he's running out of excuses at this point. I mean, a, a lot of this also depends on what we just talked about and Doug calling uh, calling a game that is conducive and puts Carson uh, and this offense in the positions to succeed. So he, he has his um, responsibility too, but yeah, I think it's only up, up and up uh, from here with Carson, but we'll see. I mean, we, we kind of, we've seen what we've seen with Carson and, and hopefully uh, hopefully it doesn't go
2: backwards.
0: Maddie, what are your thoughts?
2: I think it's a great question, Andrew, and I think it loops back into some of the other questions that we uh, asked earlier on in the podcast. One that Mike brought up: uh, if Carson throws an interception, uh, it, you know, um, do we, do we win the game? Do we lose the game? Uh, and yeah, you know, if, if he comes out and throws an interception uh, yeah, right off, Matt.
3: If if Carson doesn't throw an interception, the Eagles win the game. Yeah, yep. but
2: what if? But what if? <laughs> But I, and I agree with that too. But what if he does, Mike? You know, then it becomes, it, then it then it becomes be, jumbled. <laughs> yeah, is it is it more the same of Carson that we've seen uh, in the first half of the season? I would venture to say yes. Now, I I think there's some good points here. He does have. Uh, these guys back. I think Reger in his second game back, we'll see a lot more out of Reger. I think we see a lot more out of Dallas Goddard. I think it's very funny though, that all of us have kind of stayed away from Alshon Jeffries. I don't think any of us think a lot of him um, as a, as a player or as a person, a part of this organization. Uh, Yeah. I would like to see him active, but He's kind of an afterthought to me. I'd rather see uh, Fulgham, Reger, Goddard. I'd rather see them involved than, than a Jeffries. If he does step up, great. But, um, you know, he, he's an afterthought. Mike, you had your hand up.
0: Yeah, wait, Chris, did you have some a follow-up there? Well, I was just going to touch on Carson. I I do think we see a different uh, Carson, and I think it'll be a a byproduct of having more of a a healthy sort of known commodity in his offensive line and having some of these targets back. Um, I'm not going to go as far as to say he doesn't throw an interception in this game because I would kind of be a fool to at this point. I mean, he's trending that way, Um, but I'd like to just see him be smart with the ball. Um, and I'd like to see him take the chances when it's called for instead of taking chances on every single play of every single drive. Um, he just comes off really hard headed when he does that sort of thing. And to me, that's one of the most frustrating qualities uh, to see in a quarterback that you're making the same mistake and you're not doing anything to change it. Um, and that's kind of what we've seen through the first eight games. So, um, I I do think we'll see a different Carson. I think a week off will do him good. The team getting healthy will do him good. Uh, and hopefully Doug having some time to brainstorm, to rope him into the fold. Mike, did you have something you wanted to hit on before we uh, move on from talking about Carson?
3: Yeah. Um, real quick was interested. Um, that Andrew did not bring up Jalen Hurts in the Carson Wentz conversation here. Um, but just to go back to what you were saying, Chris, and what everybody was saying, I think the thing that I expect coming out of a bye week, we're halfway through the season, now we have the second half of the season left to play. M- much like Carson, performs better or has performed better this season while not having a great year by any means. He's performed better at the end of games because there's more on the line. I think you will see Carson progress throughout the rest of the season, but I think it will be like small increments. And what I would like to see is, you know, little mistakes. Don't force the ball um, in certain situations, but really it brings me to, a bigger point which we've touched upon before Doug's play calling Doug put Carson in a better position or don't put him in the position to make those kinds of mistakes going forward um, don't bring Alshon Jeffrey back and, and call an ISO play where Jeffrey's the only option um, you know don't just call something where Carson has to force a ball here and he's left blind on the other um, on the other routes Uh, you know help Carson make smarter decisions through play calling I guess is is one you know one thing but I will I do think Carson's accuracy and his turnovers um, his accuracy will increase and his turnovers will decrease um, towards the end of the
0: season Chris Doug can't make him through the ball Mike I mean he can't make him through the ball you know my, my thing with Carson the thing that makes me maddest is that stuff where there's a safety streaking toward him, and he's like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm talking, what I'm talking about is those,
3: the things that he can control, throws okay. where he overthrows a player, underthrows a player, sometimes it might result in interception, those things Carson can control, and I think he'll get better on, um, but I think Doug needs to make smarter, uh, decisions as a play caller to improve Carson's stats.
0: All right. Well, we're, we're a little torn there because I think it's it's du- more dual in part than it sounds like you do. But uh, to me, the stuff that really drives me nuts about Carson is when he doesn't um, do the simple things like throwing the ball away, knowing when to say when. Know when to say when, Carson, and we'll win this game. And you might not throw a pick. Might not. Yeah.
1: yeah and um, I think, I think Jalen Hurts actually knows how to do the simple things. Um, so I don't know. Let's consider.
0: I will say he hasn't <laughs> thrown the ball. I think maybe thrown the ball once this year, but he Man. has a...
2: Bill, I, had, I had to get it in. I had to get it in. He doesn't know how to execute a two-point conversion.
0: Well, he gets – he doesn't make the play call there, I believe. That nah, was, ba-
2: nah,
3: was a bad call. Oh, Come on. <laughs> so now we're talking about the play call? That's right. That's right. Let's move, to on. Let's move
0: on from the play call to, to break down uh, the uh, – I feel like you have to say his name and then go – the villain I will say of the Philadelphia Eagles and that's Alshon Jeffrey, um, a once hero Ooh. who became deeply villainized because of uh, his associations with Josina Anderson. And, uh, supposedly he's talking smack about Carson Wentz and, uh, having suffered a, a Liz Frank injury last year, we haven't seen Alshon play since, uh, I believe it was actually against the giants when he got injured, uh, back in 2019. So he is eligible to play this weekend. um, what are your expectations for Alshon? I mean, I think the Eagles have made it pretty clear. I listened to Dave Spadaro talk a lot on their website and he has said the Eagles have no intention of displacing Travis Fulgham and what he's doing right now, which was very refreshing to hear. A lot of times when Spadaro says it, it it's sort of what the team thinks. Um, the word I'm hearing is that Alshon will actually play in in some spots in place of Greg Ward in the slot. So um what are our expectations for Alshon? Haven't seen him in a long time. Made probably one of the best catches ever in the Super Bowl. Probably the most complicated legacy of any Philadelphia uh, sports athlete uh, of all time. But this is, this is him returning, and he's still on the team. Uh, I'm assuming he will get some snaps. What are your expectations?
3: Yeah, Chris, um, I agree. Fulgham isn't going to lose any reps. And uh, Jalen Rager you know, now that he's back from injury, he's definitely on the upswing. I don't see him being taken out of the game for Alshon to come in. Greg Ward, interesting, interesting point that Alshon might be put in the slot (sighs) kind of creates a complex situation, but the, um, I'm not going to speculate onto what the shift is going to be in personnel, but I will say having Alshon as a weapon, as that, big body receiver who can make a difference, especially in the red zone offense. Um, If you're the Eagles, you have to be thinking about utilizing him in some capacity in the game plan. Um, How much that is historically, they like to, you know, put guys in very slowly and increase reps um, over time. And that probably is what we're going to see with Alshon as I think, you know, is what you just said. But I don't know, Matt or Andrew, do you guys have a comment on that? Or
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, Alshon has irrelevant impacts uh, this game. Um, three to four catches, 40 yards, no touchdown. Um, Could he just be a decoy? Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, and I would agree with you. Um, I think he is somebody that the secondary and the cornerbacks have to, you know, plan for, um, which I think frees up, you know, and we'll get into this when we talk about players of the game, but some other receivers um, uh, to make an impact. So, yeah, I mean, if he's out there for, uh, for a dozen snaps or or more then um, that's great that the, that he'll take away um, some cornerbacks uh, focus there, but yeah, in terms of overall impact on the game, you know, minimal, I don't even know if, you know, I don't trust him to show up. I don't trust him to give 100% energy. Um, I, I just feel like there's a dark cloud there, and you know, I don't know, Chris. You're.
0: <laughs> I think it is. It is a dark cloud, but it's almost like a, a gray cloud. You're not sure if it's going to rain. It's raining before, uh, but it's definitely kind of threatening. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna completely counter what you guys said Alshon's gonna score a touchdown in this game, oh, okay. and the reason I'm saying it the reason I'm saying it is because wouldn't it just complicate his existence in Philadelphia even Fair. more wouldn't it just confuse us more as fans and it yes, won't be pretty just
2: what we need it every, won't
0: be, it'll every be news article t- will be about Alshon. Where Carson looks around, there's nobody, and he just guns it to Alshon, and he just quick grabs it and brings it down. I could completely just see this panning out. Just see seventeen like lazily making his way across the line. Oh, there's the ball, touchdown. And then uh, we can and then we can back.
1: have podcasts about uh, Folgum versus Alshon. Should we re-sign Alshon? Yeah, you're you're exactly right. It would just be perfect. Wait, well, can I just follow, follow that up?
3: So. The only the only thing that would make that more confusing is if Alshon and Carson did it. Did a touchdown celebration dance together in the end zone,
2: Matt? I guess a, a, a planned dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the only time he should see the field is special teams. This guy is is trash. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, he would do
1: special teams he, a disservice. By the way,
2: he's yeah, he over probably in- would. It's not fast. He's over 30 years old coming off Liz Frank uh, surgery. He's going to lose a step Uh, there. There's no doubt in my mind. I think uh, Mike and Andrew, you are right. He, he adds some depth, which is nice. Chris, I like your optimism. Yeah, there, there may be a time where he does get open and we see him scamper into the end zone. Mike, there is no touchdown uh, dance ready to go with him and Wentz. That would be funny to see. Uh, I'm just saying the only thing
3: to make it even weirder than Alshon scoring a touchdown would be a celebration between him and Wentz. Yeah, the only thing more complicated than an Alshon
0: touchdown is an Alshon and Wentz touchdown dance. (laughs)
2: That's
0: the statement
2: of the podcast. Our jaws will hit the floor if we see that. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him. With one reception for 20 yards, Chris.
0: Okay, so let, let's kind of transition. I think we are all seeing a little bit of different things for Alshon there. I just, I have this vision that we wake up Monday and we're like, oh God, who is Alshon Jeffrey? Um, <laughs> but, uh, but moving to the offensive players of the game, who do you see uh, as your offensive player of the game, Matt? Alshon. <laughs>
2: no, uh... <laughs> <laughs> who do you see? God, you you got me uh, thinking Alshon on on the mind here. Uh, Andrew or Mike, are you guys ready to go?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. It's Jalen Hurts, guys. Um, (laughs) 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 Terrible, though. Um, No, so so what I was uh, alluding to earlier was my guy's actually Greg Ward. This feels like a Greg Ward game to me, um, regardless of Alshon being back. And I know Mike brought up that Alshon might, or maybe it was Chris, sorry. Um, that Alshon might take some snaps away from Greg Ward, um, but I don't believe that that diminishes the impact that Greg Ward will have in this game. I think with Goddard being back, Sanders being back, Rager's back, Folgum, you've got a ton of options now. There's a ton of people to for the for the Giants' defense to worry about. And I feel like this is a Greg Ward just ho hum. He's going to be there. He's going to have seven eight catches. He probably gets a touchdown. Um, he's just all reliable right now, and uh, while Fulgham is the dynamic uh, piece to the receiving core, um, you've got Rager and Hightower that can burn, uh, but you have you have Greg Ward there, and I think he's going to provide this this uh, safety net, if you will. But I think he's going to get his. Um, so so my guy is Greg Ward going into the to the Giants.
2: Maddie, I am taking Dallas Goddard. I think ones. A, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. Do you want me to switch? It's okay. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, I'll take out Dallas Goddard. Um, I think that he outperforms Evan Ingram um, in the battle of the uh, tight ends. I see uh, six catches for 50 yards. Um, I don't see him getting into the end zone, but I do see him uh, blocking, creating space for a Miles Sanders or Boston Scott touchdown in the red zone. That's my uh, Michael? I mean,
3: one, Andrew's picking Greg Ward and he's mentioning Travis Fulgham, uh, Jalen Recker. He's they, he, covering a lot of your bases while picking
1: uh, Greg, Greg, Greg Ward. Greg Ward's my guy. I just was mentioning other names. Who's
3: your guy, Michael?
1: Who is your guy?
3: Um, and, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it's Greg Ward's day. Maybe, maybe uh, his dues are come. But I think, I really think and, and Chris, I'm sorry to steal your thunder because I think you've been one of the biggest proponents of this guy, but given his second uh, game back after coming back from injury, I really think Jalen Reger has an impact in this game, particularly a deep ball that might uh, rip the deep, uh, the top off the defense, um, a 50 yard pass. I, I plus yard pass. I wouldn't want to see uh, Doug to, to try to force it, but I think Rager has um, has a big game, um, steps up, continues to progress back towards being probably, let's hope, in competition um, for one of the best receivers on the team. Chris?
0: Now, I won't lie to you. My, my backup was Jalen Rager. But if Mike says it as his offensive player of the game, it happens. Got a good record, I'm going, to t- I'm going to take the John killer. I think Boston Scott has another huge game, um, mostly in a clutch sort of way. As I mentioned, I think he might be right there with Miles Sanders in terms of yardage, but I think he gets used a lot in the pass game. I don't think that they're going to put Miles out there to get hit after just coming back from injury. Um, that having been said, you know, anything can happen, but I am calling Boston Scott as the offensive player of the game. Let's wrap it up with some score predictions and get out of here. Uh, what are you guys thinking? I'll, I'll start us off here. I see this as a close, gritty... Uh, nfc east game that uh does not restore much of our confidence uh i hope i'm wrong Uh, but i do see it being somewhat close so i'm gonna go eagles 27 giants 24
1: matt do you want to go uh
2: sure let's do uh eagles 32 giants 23
1: yeah i've got a weird score too uh it's, it's the Birds 29, the Giants 20.
3: That is a strange score.
1: Yeah. Um, it was gonna,
3: <laughs> I mean, all our scores are kind of like just in the same distribution. I was going to go 24-21 and maybe just to uh, – 24-21 Birds, that is, and just to maybe tie it off with a Rodney McLeod quote. He said, this is going to be a great challenge. NFC East games always are. Throw the records out, all those cliches. We're in eight-game season right now, and even though we have a slight edge in the NFC East, it's not a huge edge. How the season goes will be dependent on how these last eight games go, particularly the division games.
0: Love it. Uh, I'm going to throw one over-under. Matt brought up a great list. I just l- took a look at it. Matt, uh, read us the over-under about Travis Fulgham, and then we'll sign off.
2: We have Travis Fulgham at – ooh, scrolling through here, Chris. I have him at – Oh, God, Chris, do you have it? Re- oh, there it is. 62 Travis, or something? Yes, over, under, 62 receiving yards. Andrew, what do you got for us?
1: Over, baby. We're talking 75 over. plus for, for Fulgham.
0: Over. Over. And it's- Let's
2: three. pound that over.
0: All right. Uh, signing off uh, from the Eagles water cooler. We're all seeing an Eagles win, and hopefully we're talking about a team that's 4-4-1 four, four, and one, uh, <laughs> heading into next week. Fellas, nice job. Go, Birds.
2: Go birds. Go birds. Go birds. birds.